So we have been talking about the karma and uh, basically the characteristic of a karma definite fast growing one does not meet with the karma which cause one does not meet the result which one has not created the cause and once you have created the cause the result is bound to be met and these are basic principles of the karmic system and we did talk them in detail in the during the different alumnum teachings as well as the teachings of the three principle and the foundation of perfection all this and in addition to that last couple of Tuesdays we have been talking very interesting traditional Hindu Buddhist mythological or uh, some in some cases uh, true incident and the stories which has been uh, used by the traditional Tibetan Indian masters for this particular teaching so on the basis of this particular book which the Mongolians um, uh, three volume of this and almost all the points of the London only talking about these strange stories and through the stories they are established in the points of the London some are straightforward some are a little bit of uh, mythological stories and I was uh, talking with somebody yesterday and I said uh, they said oh, it's an interesting story and I said that's a true story and the person said come on the, how can there be a golden elephant and a gold doves <laughs> so anyway some of them I think in the Hindu Buddhist mythology and most of them are true story and out of which uh, the last Tuesday I was I asked Kathy what am I supposed to be talking today and she, she, she said you are supposed to be telling the Odiyana story today and so I Odiyana story is a long long story so and I forgot I grabbed the book and brought it with me today <laughs> while you are saying the prayers I tried to read it, read it or whatever Anyway, I got through a little bit of half a through. But the point is, uh, why give you so much example for the karmic thing is, all other points that we talk in the Lamrim are logically can be established, can be established uh, within the individual's mind. I mean, we, can, we cannot say they're scientifically proved, but logically, it's, it can very strongly establish within the individual mind. And the common things, you can't, there's nothing logical to, to say. And so it is really, I mean, it is a logical, very logical. One doesn't meet the result which when one not created cause. Once you created cause, you're bound to meet the result. They're very logical. But that's much. And you cannot prove it here and there. So where Buddha taught and Buddha shared with the people is by telling the stories. And many of them are not only based, I mean, where I said is wrong. 
I should not say stories. I should have said the incidents that had taken place. So which makes a different understanding in the Western mind. The incidents that had taken place. And sometimes even Buddha himself goes in a very strange place. For example, in the one place there happens to be a very funny fish. Uh, some, some place in India during the Buddha's life and very strange huge fish which has some kind of 18 different heads or something pulled out of the water by the fishermen by the fishermen and <laughs> by the fishermen and um, then everybody is going there and uh, watching and uh, making uh, uh, jokes and, and uh, making fun and all these things so the, the fish pull out and everybody goes there and making it's sort of an interesting thing to so become entertainment. So Buddha also went there and walked by and uh, there's a non-Buddhist teachers and scholars and rather anti-Buddhist teachers and scholars said, and this Buddha is a strange fellow, he can't even sit straight and meditate. Why is he going? For, uh, for entertainment sake to look in some strange place like this. So Buddha walked by and the Buddha blessed the fish and so that he can speak in the human language or something, you know. It's a very interesting. So Buddha asked, who is your non-bhojuyas non teacher? Uh, who was your non-bhojuyas teacher? And the fish replied, my mother. And I said, how come? He said, he has been having a debate somewhere with some group. So he was afraid that he's going to be defeated. So he's worried. So the mother said, don't worry about it. And if you're losing your de debate, you can call the people, debaters, by name and tell them that they look like a pig or you look like a dog or all these sort of big names, so they will be embarrassed uh, and or maybe they maybe they get disgusted with you and they will not talk to you and then the public will think you win. And that's what she did and uh, so then he did that same thing. So the next life he took a rebirth as an official with 18 different heads or something. So these are the way how they come into, this is sort of supposed to be incident that has a taking place. And during the Buddha lifetime, things like that actually does happen because of the karma and because of the power, because of the different time, it does happen and it affects the individual and its self purpose and the show is over. And but today doesn't happen. And sometimes it was, does happen, but somehow, someplace, somewhere, something strange things happening. And but however, it doesn't really it serves purpose to certain different people, and the majority of people do not get benefit out of it. Anyway, so basically, what they try to really establish is every different. Every strange thing, whether it is joyful or miserable, whatever it is, 
they established it to link some kind of causal karma that individual has produced. And that causal karma brings the result, good or bad, joy or miserable, which another words, what really karma does is the try to establish the point that you are responsible to your own deeds, no one else. Whatever you do, good or bad, you will be responsible. You will either enjoy or you will suffer. Whatever may happen in our life, it is nobody has created, nobody made us suffer, nobody made us joy, it is our own deed. Karma really means that. When we say cause and effects, people say, yeah, okay, understandable. But in another words, cause and effects tells you, you are responsible of your own no one else. We can always blame to somebody. If so and so has not done that, I would not have suffered like this. If so and so did this, I would have been better now. If so and so has not, that is our usual excuse we use for our not taking responsibility of our own deeds. Whether you take responsibility of what you, what you did before or not, it doesn't really matter much. Either we're going to suffer or we're going to enjoy, it's bound to happen. But what makes it different is our future. The long way to go, the life after life, that future will make a difference. What do we do now? So when you talk about the karma, cause and effects, that's what it's telling you. You're responsible of your own. We intend to look when we say, I am responsible of my own deeds. So you intend to look now what's happening. That's not so much. What really is, what will happen to me is it depends on what am I doing now. And that is the real karma we're concerned. The past karma is past karma. The results are bound to happen, good or bad. So when we say we are responsible of ourselves, we're talking about the shaping of our future life. When I say future life, you not necessarily mean life after future, but future is the future, next minute and thereafter is the future. So knowing the karmic principle make the individual much more responsible to ourselves. 
rather than to be watching out something. It's not comic movie show. Comic show biz. But it is a comic responsibility. The whole purpose of telling the stories or sharing the incidents and presenting comic principles is to bring awareness of our own responsibility to ourselves, nothing beyond that. So basically, the karma is divided into negative, positive, and neutral karma. Negative, positive, and neutral. Negative karmas are, you know very well, it is a very similar to, it's very, very similar to Ten Commandment type of thing, you know. Even the Buddhist call talks about ten negativity. I, I sort of, sometimes I did mention uh, last couple of times here, I don't think Buddha had a telephone conversation with the Judeo-Christian leaders how to set up this Ten Commandment and uh, say, so let us call this this way, that way. But it sort of really had happened in the East and really had happened in the West. So there must be meaning something in the principle of a human life. It can't be, cannot be a coincidence. I don't believe they had a telephonic conference call or something. So, so that's what had happened. So very similar to it. But slowly what is not very similar to it is in the Buddhist tradition and what the Buddha shared with the people, even, even the positive karmas, that we considered as a positive. Uh, for example, let's say the negative, the opposite of the killing is a saving a life, and not killing rather than. Or the opposite of lying is saying the truth, telling truth. Things like that. And what the Buddha shared, there's one thing more. Actually, there's a true thing more. In Buddhism, according to the Buddha, by not killing and sitting there, it's not enough to create positive. To create positive karma. If you don't kill, you don't kill. It does not mean you have created positive karma of not killing. You just didn't kill. But if you have the opportunity to kill, and the possibility to kill, and you have every chance to kill, but you decided not to kill it, and then you have karma of, positive karma of not killing. Just by sitting there not killing alone, does not produce the positive karma of not killing. Similarly, 
that very positive karma of not killing itself again is a direct cause to be able to bring positive ultimate result at ultimate spiritual development according to the buddha now it is a positive karma no doubt but just by being in positive karma alone cannot bring ultimate development can you see it what i'm trying to say the steps i have no idea I don't know I'm absolutely ignorant in the Judeo Christian tradition but normally when I observe the people it seems if you don't kill it is positive enough you have to have the opportunity to kill then you have to decide not to kill But what I'm trying to tell you is according to the Buddha that's not enough. By not sitting by sitting there and not killing is not creating a, a positive karma of not killing. Though you're not killing, you do not have a karma of killing because you don't kill. You don't have a karma negative karma of killing, but it's not enough to have a positive come of not killing however there is a lot of technicality comes in these technicalities are sometimes very important very important and it makes difference in the true court of law <laughs> coming court of law it makes these technicalities make difference technicality here is if you have some kind of vow saying that i'm not going to kill it i'm not a killer i'm not going to kill any beings if you have that type of vow then as long as you are not killing you're sitting you're sleeping you're drinking you're walking you're chit-chatting gossiping whatever you may be doing it all this period you are creating a karma of not killing because of that technicality point of vow so the vows that you have are very plays a very important role in karma in positive and negative karma they play a very important role as well as in positive karma they play a very important role as well as in negative karma it also plays a very important role if you don't have the vow you just have to kill it you kill it it's over you have a killing karma that's the end of it whatever the karmic consequences will be that's it but if you have a vow and if you kill it and you have additional breaking vow too so it becomes additional problem in negative but additional advantage in positive 
That's what it is. So that is, I'm using the killing as only one example, but that is applicable to all 10 non-virtuous, 10 non-virtuous karmic activities. It's all applicable to them. Plus, six root delusions. It is also applicable to this. So like vows and commitments have a play a very important role as far as karma is concerned. And the vow, when I say vow, again, the vow also has rules and regulations. And uh, you know, if, if you make a vow in between two persons or you make a vow to yourself, it might not necessarily be a true vow at all. Maybe it's a vow, but that, that might not be the vow that you gain those advantages and disadvantages. It might not be. It might not be. So vow also has its own little system and its own little rules and regulations. So that is how it works. Again, I'm just simply throwing, I'm not talking vows here today, so I'm just simply telling you that. I mean, I, I promised myself, or I made a commitment with myself and my friend, and that might not be, that is a vow, but a vow of another kind of vow. The vow that we are not, I'm not talking about that kind of vow. I'm talking about a vow that is sort of like a Vajrayana vow or Mahayana vow or self-liberating vow or that type of categorical vows or refuge vow or something like that type of vow. I'm talking about it. I don't, I'm not talking about the basic uh, created vows. So that is another technicality here. The third one is also most important, most important here. On the comic point, again, the technicality or whatever it is, the reality or technicality here, the most important point is the motivation. The motivation here is again, I'm not talking about the usual motivation. I have good motivation. I sort of, I did it for better for you. And that type of motivation, what we are talking, is a normal sort of thing. I'm talking about here very specific motivation. The motivation that influences by the point of the three principles. Do you understand what I mean? Three principles. The motivation that has been influenced by thought of determination to be free by the individual. So that every positive karma that you have will contribute towards liberating the individual out of a circle of miserable life. Otherwise, no. If you don't have that motivation, it will never contribute to become nirvana. The technically Sanskrit name they call it nirvana, free of suffering. It doesn't become. 
all good karmas that you have, all good karmas will become lucky karma. Those karma can bring you, a, to give you a good rebirth in human beings, human realm, as a wealthy, healthy, rotten young boy or girl. And that is the lucky karma produces. Yeah, really true. Wealthy, healthy, rotten, spoiled, young. I think the word's bad, but anyway. So that's the that is the lucky karma produces. True. It will instead of producing a total liberation, total free from the total suffering or bringing to of the enlightenment level, but instead of that, they will produce that type of result. So which is, would we categorize as a lucky karma? You can be reborn as a, as a children of a Rockefeller or something. So that's how the lucky karma produces. And the not to waste positive karma in that manner to bring a liberation, it needs the influence of the determination to be free, the principle one. To, to go beyond that, to be able to become a, a fully enlightened being, to be able to serve to all sentient beings, to be able to benefit to all sentient beings, to be able to become fully enlightened being, you have to have a very strong, unlimited, unconditioned compassion influence in that. Each positive karma should have the influence of unlimited and unconditioned compassion. Our compassion have a condition. Our love have a condition. It's all conditioned. No matter how much you say, you say, wow, he is great or she is great. But there's, and there's a wonderful blah, blah, blah. But always that has condition. Normal American mantra, what's in there for me? What's in there for me is a normal American mantra. <laughs> so that is our condition. So if you have a, a total compassion, unconditioned love and compassion, then every tiny little positive karma, whatever you do, even giving a piece of food to a street dog, to whatever, will go direct cause to become a total enlightenment. These are the very important points that the Buddha shared, Buddha interviews, and that's called part.